Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. I am so glad to see you. I love you all so much. This is going to be a good day. I'm looking forward to this series. I've been excited about it. Pastor Dan said that I could take three weeks to teach you guys this material. Now, the truth of the matter is, I could give it all to you today. Yes, I'm just that good. But it would take me a really long time to give it to you on one Sunday. And I kind of agree with this thinking right here. There's a fine line between a long sermon and a hostage situation. (laughs) So I don't want you to feel like I'm holding you hostage or anything. So let me just kick into it by starting out, letting you know that I believe that hundreds upon hundreds of people in Fellowship Church are about to experience an epic comeback. I don't believe you have to be stuck. I don't believe that you have to settle. I believe that you can experience the kind of life that you were created for, and I believe that many times we do things where the enemy will whisper in your ear that you don't deserve anything better. The marriage is what it is. If you're single, you're probably going to stay single. If you're where you're at financially, that's probably all you're ever going to have. Now, I think the enemy's talking to you, but oh man, once you experience the comeback that God has in store for you, oh, things are going to be epic. They're going to be incredible. Well, first, I want to thank all of you guys. Just, just take a little, just a little time. My mom went home to be with the Lord about a week and a half ago on a Wednesday. Uh, Ann and I just came back from being down there two or three months to help take care of her, watch after her. And uh, then when we got back here in town, uh, she, got, she got worse, continued to get worse. Uh, she was, my brother called, said they had to put her in the hospital. They called an ambulance. She went from the hospital to hospice. Ann and I flew back down there. Uh, we got to see her in hospice just in the nick of time for her to recognize Ann and I when we walked in the room. And then about two or three uh, days later, uh, she went home to be with the Lord. But we have received just an outpour of uh, notes and cards. And for those of you that reached out to us on social media, uh, the text messages, the phone calls, thank you so very much. This is an amazing body of Christ, and you guys are wonderful ministers. And in case I hadn't told you lately, I love you, I love you, I love you. You guys, you guys are just incredible, so thank you so much for that. Well, I had the opportunity to do a little porch sitting with my mom. Now, she was in and out of dementia a little bit, but she had some incredible clarity there for a while when we were just talking on her front porch. And I asked her a few questions, because I, I knew she wasn't going to be around a long time. She's 89 years old, a lot of things failing. And I said, Mom, let me, let me just let me ask you a couple of things. First of all, I asked my 89-year-old mom, I said, what, is the, what was the best season of your life? I mean, when you look back over your life, what was the best season? Now, I thought she would choose the one she was in right now, over the last 20 years. Because when my dad died 20 years ago, my younger brother, who pastors a church in Florida, we spoiled the heck out of my mom. 
We called her all the time. We made sure she had everything that she needed and anything that she wanted. She wanted to go on a parasail ride when she was 75 years of age, and one of her granddaughters went out on a parasail with her. She wanted to go on a helicopter tour of the Grand Canyon. I took her on a helicopter tour of the Grand Canyon. We landed on the floor of the Grand Canyon, had lunch together out there, you know, in, in the Grand Canyon. It was, it was incredible. And we just had some wonderful times. But you know what she said? She said, it's when I was in my 20s and 30s and raising my children. And I thought, Mom, are you kidding? I, when I think of my 20s and 30s, that season to me feels like a blur. I don't remember it very well. She goes, well, it can feel like a blur, but she said I would do it over and over and over again. She was created to be a mom. And then I said, well, Mom, I said, what about heaven? Are you sure about heaven? You know you have a relationship with Jesus? Oh, yes, I'm excited about heaven, she said. I can't wait to go there. I've got so many people that I love that are there, and, and I'd love to stay here longer, but, you know, if the Lord wanted to call me home, I'm excited about heaven. She had on a CD player, uh, Gaither Vocal Band, where all the, the Gaither singers were singing all those songs about heaven. That was the last CD that she'd played and, uh, when we got there, and, and uh, she was just, just sure about heaven. So it was just absolutely no question about the fact she was going to go to heaven. We talked all about that. So when I, my brother and I were doing her memorial service, which was just last Saturday, we did a memorial service on Mother's Day weekend. Thanks, Mom. Appreciate that. But um, it was really, it was wonderful. One of the things that uh, we told the family, look on the side screen, it's our nature to think that we are in the land of the living and to be somewhat afraid of going to the land of the dying. But the truth is, we are in the land of the dying, and we are going to the land of the living. So even though my mom had a great life, the main thing that everybody wanted to know was, was she saved? Did she know the Lord is a personal Savior? And they know that she did, but they wanted to know that they'd see her again. Well, that's the main question about everyone in this room. Here's, when, when, you, when you die, when you, and you are living in the land of the dying, therefore you will die. You are going to the land of the living if you know Christ is your Lord and Savior. You have a home forever in heaven. The question about you is, are you saved? Do you know the Lord is your Savior? Because when your memorial service comes, if the Lord tarries his coming, that's the only issue on the table with you. It's the only thing your family members want to know. So, after her memorial service, we went to my brother's house. We were walking around a little bit, talking to some of the family members I have not seen for a very long time. And I would pull one aside, put my arm around him, and I'd say, hey, let me ask you a question. Are you saved? Do you know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die? Do you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Oh, yeah, Dan, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm saved. Yeah, I got saved. Wouldn't that tell me a story? I go to somebody else. Are you saved? Do you know the Lord is your personal Savior? Because, you know, that's the only thing that's on my mind. You going to see Grandma again? Well, you got to know Christ as your personal I did that to every family member that would stop long enough and stop eating for me to be able to ask him that question. So I guess I'm asking you, are you saved? The Bible says this. Look at it in Acts on the side screen. There's salvation in nobody else. I don't care what anybody tells you. There's salvation in no one else, no other way. God has given no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. Romans 10 says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, there's the name, the name of Jesus, will be saved. So my question is, are you? Now, I want to ask you to bow your heads with me just for a moment, and let's nail this one down. If there's anybody in this room that has been waiting, wondering, trying to learn a little bit more about salvation, then today I want it to be a day where you trust Christ as your personal Savior. Because I have to talk to today a room full of saved people, or you don't have a comeback. <laughs> you won't have one if you're not saved. 
So let's just pray this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, I trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You're my only way into heaven, Lord. I make you my Lord. Give me a home there and partner with me in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. So that just means that everybody in the room right now is saved. So I am talking to a room full of saved people. You are going to the land of the living, leaving the land of the dying. So with that in mind, me talking to you, now I want to ask you a question. Have you ever known somebody that was saved, a really good person, they loved the Lord, they read their Bible, they prayed, they talked about God, they even came to church and worshiped, oh, they might have even served somewhere. They were active. They were a Christian. And then they slipped. And they're no longer doing the things or being the person that they were right after they got saved. Do you know anybody in your life like that? Would you raise your hand? Okay. Over the last 40 years, hundreds upon hundreds of people that I have known have radically gotten saved. They're a good person. They're a child of God. They sat where you're sitting. They've played instruments. They sang on the platform. They served in the children's ministry. They took classes, but they slept away. Have you ever failed since you've been saved? Anybody in here want to? Okay, well, go ahead and tell the person sitting next to you what that failure was. Oh, no, don't, really. I'm just kidding you. Don't do that. I saw four people turn as white as a sheet when I said that. Well, there was a guy in the Bible by the name of Simon Peter. And three years as Jesus was about to start his three-year ministry, the first two people that Jesus went to and he called was Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. He goes down to the seaside and he's walking on the shore. Jesus now. He's walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He looks out over the two guys that were fishing for a living, and they were preparing their nets. And, and uh, Jesus said, hey, guys, you follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. This is what he said. He said, you follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, there's something real interesting in that part of the story. Jesus said, follow me. That's your job. I will make you. That's God's job. We've got to stop trying to do God's job. You want to be a good husband? It's not about you trying to be a good husband. You just follow Jesus, and he will make you a good husband. You want to be a good wife? Stop trying to be a good wife. That's none of your business. You just follow Jesus, and Jesus will make you a good wife. You want to be successful and prosperous? Just follow Jesus, and Jesus will make you. You do your part, follow him, and God will do his part, make you. What? Whatever it is. This is a desire of your heart that God wants to make you. So you follow him. God's part is to make you. And Jesus said to these two men, follow me. And immediately the Bible says they dropped their nets. Simon Peter at that moment began a relationship with God. Now salvation is the beginning of a relationship with God. It is not an event and it is not an experience. Now follow me with this. Salvation is not an experience. It's a relationship, 
A wedding is an experience. A marriage is a relationship. Birthing a baby is an experience. Raising that child is a relationship. Are you all following me? So Simon Peter dropped his net immediately, and he followed Jesus. But here, watch this. But when things got tough, he picked the net back up again. Have you ever dropped something and picked it back up again? Now he's got the net in one hand, and he's got Jesus in the other. Well, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. When Simon Peter got saved, he first followed Jesus, he was radically saved. I mean, he was one of the inside three. If you look at the Bible, you'll see that he was tucked in so close to Jesus, wherever you saw Jesus, there was Simon Peter. I mean, he was so close to Jesus where if Jesus had a car and he was going to lunch, then Simon Peter would have been one of those three guys that were in the car. Simon Peter loved the Lord. He was bold. He was bold about his testimony for Christ. Jesus came to him one time and told the guys in an upper room, he said, hey guys, this is what's going down. Somebody in here is going to betray me. Simon Peter says, it's not going to be me. Man, you, who is it? Not me. Simon Peter said, Jesus said, come in a little bit closer. Simon Peter, before the cock crows in the morning, you're going to deny even knowing me three times. Oh, no, it's not going to happen. Garden of Gethsemane comes. Many Bible scholars say that there were 600 armed soldiers that night that came to find Jesus in the garden. Judas was there about to betray him. Simon Peter pulls a sword out and cuts a guy's ear off. Now, think about that for a moment. Simon Peter was not, this wasn't a ninja sword move where he was trying to cut that guy's ear off. He was trying to kill that soldier with a sword because Simon Peter was a fisherman. He wasn't a skilled soldier, but he knew, if you touch my Lord, you do anything to my God, I will risk my life and give my life defending my Lord. That's what he was saying. Jesus stops the whole thing, reaches down, picks up, puts a ear back on, on the soldier, And they take Jesus away. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 26, and Simon Peter followed at a distance. Uh Uh-oh. He went from following to following at a distance. You know, life can hit everybody in this room pretty hard sometimes. And sometimes when you're passionate about your worship, sometimes that passion for worship can, can get a little stale. Sometimes when you miss a church, church service and you used to listen to it on the podcast or watch it online maybe not so much anymore you used to look forward to your time with God maybe not so much you just talked to him about everything but now you're silent sometimes you can go from being so committed to God that you would absolutely risk your life for him you were loyal and you were loud about it to a time maybe where you act like you don't even know him and that's possible for every person in this room now Simon Peter did what I call going B.C. Now think about this for a second. He followed from a distance. Jesus was crucified. He denied knowing him uh, three times. And then he goes back to fishing. He picked his nets back up again. So he goes what, what we call B.C. Look, look at what this means. B.C. is when a person goes back to living and acting like they did before they knew Christ. So once people are hurt bad enough and they think maybe and Simon Peter maybe this whole thing was a hoax maybe the dream's dead maybe these things aren't going to work out and they said maybe Jesus rose again but I mean I don't I don't know if he did or not and besides that I failed I failed doesn't matter I tried to follow and I failed so I can't follow anymore that's what the enemy was telling them 
You ever know anybody to go BC? Listen, don't go BC. Don't go back to the club. You came out of the club. You, you didn't find anything in the club, and, and you weren't that good clubbing anyway. Besides that, it's all changed now. You'd be lost going back to the club. Simon Peter goes BC. You see, it got so bad that after walking with Jesus for three years, seeing the miracles, being personally called and mentored, he knew he failed. And the lie is, because you have failed, you can no longer follow. Because you failed, you can no longer follow. So he goes back to fishing. He takes a few of the disciple friends with him. He throws out the nets. He brings them in. No fish. He throws them out again. He brings them in. No fish. And he's got to be thinking, wait a minute. This is something that I know how to do. And I'm failing at something that I know how to do. You see, sometimes God will let you fail at what you think you're good at until you remember that it is God who makes you successful today and not the years of experience from your yesterday. So here comes Jesus down the shoreline, the same place he called Simon Peter from in the first place. Here he comes again. And Jesus recreates the exact same scene where he called Simon Peter to follow him in the beginning. And you know why he did it? Because he's the God of again. He rose again and came back to life again so that he can bring your life back to life again. He's the God of again who will bring your marriage back to life again, your finances back to life again, your body back to life again, your hopes and your dreams back to life again. He's the God of again. Anybody in here could use a second chance, would you raise your hand? How about a 27th chance, would you raise your hand? How about an 818th chance, would you raise your hand again? He's the God of again. And the enemy tells you you failed, so therefore you can no longer follow and so those that have fallen away or slipped away, I believe that lie. But notice what Jesus does. He cre creates this very same scenario. And then in John chapter 21, verse 9, first of all, he hollers out at the guys. He said, guys, fellas, <laughs> you catching anything? No, ain't got nothing. All right, might want to try throwing your net out on the other side of the boat. You'll get some. They throw their net on the other side of the boat. They pull in five, 153 large fish, the Bible says. And then the Bible emphasizes, and the net didn't even break. And John goes, it's the Lord. They didn't know it. John reckoned, Simon Peter jumps in the water. Now, you remember the last exchange? The last exchange was, I don't even know who that guy is. I'm going B.C. Simon Peter makes his way 100 yards into the shore. Jesus is there. When they got there, they found Jesus waiting for them. Really, Lord? You're waiting for a man who said he didn't even know you? You're waiting for somebody who said he'd die for you and he'd follow you and he did not even know you three times? Fish cooked over a charcoal fire. Where'd that come from? And some bread. Where, who, who, who had that? Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. I'm going to put what I helped you do and what I can do together. And come and have breakfast with me. You're waiting for a man to have breakfast with you who failed you so badly 
that he went so BC that he told people that he didn't even know you. Jesus painted another picture in the Bible, a picture of a father waiting on a son. Remember the story? It's called the prodigal. The Bible says when the prodigal left, he was disloyal to his father. He was disrespectful. He said, Dad, give me what's mine. And he went and he wasted all of it. Then he realized when he didn't have anything, he said, I think I'll just, I'll go back to my father. And the Bible says, and the father ran to him and kissed him on the cheek and restored him to the place that he had before he ever failed. And Jesus paints this picture of how the heavenly father treats us and why Jesus would wait on a total failure with breakfast and a question. One of my favorite songs is Phillips, Craig, and Dean, When God Ran. If you hadn't heard it or hadn't heard it for a long time, this is how God treats followers who fail.
and he brought me to my knees when God Give me a couple of minutes, let me wrap it up. A couple of lessons in this text you might have missed. Number one, Jesus had in his hand what they were out there going for. And Jesus had it prepared. Second lesson you need to understand is whatever you think you're going to give up by following Jesus, Jesus will give it back to you bigger and better and protected than what you could ever get yourself. 153 large fish and the net didn't break. Here's the point. He's got you covered. And what good is what you have and what you're going for if what you have is not protected? He'll protect it. Well, the exchange needed to take place. Simon Peter needed to do business with the Lord. And the Lord brings it up. He could feel the tension. And he says, Simon, do you love me? Simon Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. He asked him again, Simon, do, do, you, do you love me? And Simon says, yes, Lord, I, I love you. Now, how many times did Simon Peter deny Christ? So the Lord asked him one more time. Simon Peter, do you love me? And Simon Peter says, Lord, you know everything, and you know that I love you. I love you. And then notice what he says. Notice what he says in the next verse. Then follow me. You see, you've been trained to believe by the enemy that if you failed, adultery, pornography, a, a divorce, you lost a job, you made a mistake, you did something really stupid, that if you fail, you can't follow. And your heavenly father comes back to you and says, one question, <laughs> do you still love me? And here's the truth. Everybody in this room has failed. 
And I know you love him. All you got to do is just tell him and start following him again. Simon Peter said, I love you. And Jesus said, okay, let's just let's do a reboot. Just start following me again. And Simon Peter had the most epic comeback in the history of the Bible. And listen to me. Some of you have failed. I, I, I got a hand up, two hands and a foot on that one. And because you failed doesn't mean you can't follow. You just tell him you're sorry. That's it. Tell him you love him. Follow him again. And your comeback is going to be <laughs> epic. Thank you for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner, and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, and that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer at all, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or by email at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.